Well, Merry Christmas. There's something special about Christmas morning, would you agree? Something special about this day, December 25th. Every year around Thanksgiving, uh, the Christmas songs and carols begin to show up on the radio, and we get into the Christmas spirit. For some of us, those songs begin weeks and weeks and weeks before Thanksgiving. I'm not judging, I'm just saying that some of you fall into that category, and that's okay. But weeks before um, you start listening to the Christmas carols and the songs, and you start to get into that mood. And the autumn season begins to shift into winter. And we begin to buy presents for our friends and family. And we begin to wrap those presents in, in decorative paper and beautiful bows. And for those of us, uh, like myself, who might be more decoratively challenged, we use the gift bag, right? The gift bag is quite the invention We play games that have something to do with an albino elephant, right? We make cookies and sing carols, and we watch stories about a reindeer named Rudolph and a snowman named Frosty, right? And then we arrive at this morning, December 25th. We arrive at Christmas, the culmination of all these days, these days of preparation and shopping and decorating and giving and cooking and lights and carols. And we arrive at Christmas this morning. And for some of us, because of all the giving and the cooking and the lights and the carols and the baking and the wrapping, we come to this morning and we might be a little bit tired, a little bit exhausted maybe. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that December 25th has arrived. All that preparation that you've put in and all that time, we are here. So we can collectively take a big, deep breath We've arrived at Christmas morning. If your preparations haven't been made, you may be out of luck. There might might be a few things open, and good luck to you. But the day is here. We can take it in. We can enjoy it. We're here. And in the same way that we've prepared for this day with gifts and lights and carols and cookies, as Christ followers, we've also prepared for this day. We've spent the last four weeks in a season we call Advent preparing for a baby that's been born on this morning. A baby named Jesus was born in Bethlehem. A baby that was and is something more than just a baby. A baby's been born that is our God and has been born to save us all. And that baby was born to show us a God that is full of grace and full of truth and full of love. Grace for us, truth for us, love for us. And it's with that in mind that we look at our text this morning. We're going to look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 16. If you have your Bible, you can look, your phone, or be on the screens. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's not John the author, that's John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. 
But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. I love this passage. It's one of my favorites because I think John is reminding us of something here. He's reminding us that this, this book, these scriptures that we have, is a narrative. It's a story. And John is telling us that there's a new chapter being written in this story. And he begins his gospel with the phrase, in the beginning, which is obviously a throwback to something else that we know, the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, in the beginning. He's helping us remember that there's something that this new chapter is tied to. And so he, he kind of calls back to Genesis. He does this uh, by also talking about light and darkness, which is a throwback to Genesis. God created the mornings and the nights. He also talks about the word. And if you were a good first century Jew, you would have related to that because God spoke creation into being. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, there's a twist at about verse 9, if you're a good first century Jew, you would have tracked with all this and you would have thought, this is awesome. John's reminding us of Genesis. This is great. And then in verse 9, he starts to talk about this being that's going to come into the world, this light that's going to come into the world. And as a first century Jew, you might think, what are you talking about here? This is getting a little bit odd. And then in verse 14, he says, the word became flesh and lived among us. To which, if you were a good first century Jew, you would say, blasphemy. No way. God couldn't come and be one of us. But that's what he's saying. He's talking about a new chapter in this story. He's making an attempt to open our eyes to a new way of seeing the world, a new way of seeing and understanding our God. Now, when I was in college at the University of Louisville, I kind of took to the world of backpacking, hence the tent this morning, okay? I took to the world of backpacking, which backpacking and camping are two different things, and we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, but I took to the world of backpacking. I've always enjoyed the outdoors. I've always enjoyed hiking and camping and, th- and things like that. Um, but when I was at the University of Louisville, I actually took a college course called the Basics of Backpacking, right? And I actually got college credit for that, which was amazing to me. Um, so I kind of got into that world. Um, and as I said, backpacking and camping are, are two, two different things. When you go backpacking, there are no showers, there are no garbage cans, there are no facilities, if you, if you will. Um, and I've had the opportunity to go some, to some really gorgeous places and backpack. Uh, I, I've backpacked in the Rockies, I've backpacked in the Smokies. Uh, this is a picture from Red River Gorge in, in Kentucky, which we know better as God's country. Um, uh, I've had, I had the privilege to, my favorite place in the world to go backpacking is, this is, this is here, uh, Manistee National Forest in Michigan. Um, some beautiful, beautiful places. And you might say, John, backpacking sounds, it sounds like all downside to me. You know, no showers, no bathrooms. You know, it sounds like all downside. I would push against that a little bit and say this. There are places that you can get to only by backpacking. There are places that you can 
get to only by hiking in 10 miles, setting up your camp, tearing it down the next morning, hiking another 10 miles to get to where you want to go. There are places that you can go when you backpack that you can't get to in a car. And so I would push against that a little bit and say that there, are some, there is some beauty to backpacking. I even have been backpacking. Well, I guess it's more, this one's more camping. I've even camped in the parking lot of Chick-fil-A. <clears throat> Uh, it was about 10 years ago to the day I, I, I camped out uh, in Chick-fil-A's parking lot in Westfield because if you were one of the first 100 people there, you got a year's worth of Chick-fil-A. This is a true story. And so at 6 o'clock in the morning, uh, the CEO of Chick-fil-A, Dan Cathy, handed me uh, a year's worth of coupons for free Chick-fil-A. Now, I showed this picture. I mislead you a little bit. This, this is not from when I was there because uh, I didn't have a picture, but it felt like that uh, in December over the night. Um, so see, there, there's beauty. Now it's a different kind of beauty. Free Chick-fil-A for years a different beauty than, than maybe creation, but it's still beauty nonetheless. And so, the only way backpacking works is its ability to be mobile. Your ability to take down your tent in the morning or your hammock or whatever it is you're sleeping in and put it in your backpack and move on to the next place. Your ability to be mobile. Setting up camp implies that you're going to tear down camp at some point because otherwise we would just say we're going to build a house, right? And so in our text this morning, we're told that the word became flesh and lived among us. The Word, Jesus, God has been born. He put on flesh and bones and blood and dwelt among us. Now, the word that John uses in the Greek, we kind of miss out on because our English is a little bit limited. The word that he uses when he talks about God living among us, dwelling among us, is the word tabernacled. That's a churchy word, I know. But John says that God tabernacled with us. He set up camp with us. And in the same way that John was kind of taking us back to Genesis, now he's taking us back to another part of the story. He's taking us back to Exodus, to when the Jews were wandering in the desert and they would set up the tabernacle. They would set up the temple. Basically, the tabernacle was the temple on wheels. It was a mobile temple. And they would set up the temple, and the priests would go in and meet with God on behalf of the people. The priests would go in and offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. And John tells us that God has come to tabernacle with us, which is significant in lots of ways. John is telling us that no longer do we need a priest to go into this tent on our behalf. Because a priest has been born on this morning. No longer do we need a priest to go in and offer a sacrifice on our behalf because the sacrifice has been born on this morning. God has come to dwell among us. Eugene Peterson, the author of The Message, which is a paraphrase of the Bible, put it this way. He said, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I like that. So whether you go with set up camp or whether he dwelt among us or moved into the neighborhood, 
We're all talking about the same thing. We're talking about even another big fancy word, the incarnation, God becoming man, becoming one of us. God came, he dwelt, he moved, he set up camp in Jesus. He put on flesh and blood and bones and was born as a baby in Bethlehem. And I can't think of anything more vulnerable than a baby. I was home the past few days, and my brother, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a newer uncle, and uh, my brother has a, a little baby, Colt, and Colt is very vulnerable. Colt needs us for everything. And so the creator of the universe, the one who created me and created you, lays in a manger in a diaper. The God who commands the morning and the night and puts the dawn and the dusk in its place, that same God is now dependent on his teenage mother and his carpenter father in order to survive. That is the incarnation. That is God dwelling among us. That's God setting up camp. That is Emmanuel, which means God with us. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, we're told that the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, God with us. And we use that name, Emmanuel, a lot during this Christmas season. But what's interesting is we don't see Jesus called Emmanuel anywhere else in Scripture, other than when he's an infant. The disciples never refer to him as Emmanuel. The Jews, the Romans, don't ever refer to him as Emmanuel. But on this morning, December 25th, Christmas Day, we're reminded that God is with us, that God has lived among us. He dwells with us and sets up camp with us. Now, 150 years ago, it's a long time ago, 150 years ago, a man named Charles Spurgeon stood up in front of his church family and had these words to say about Emmanuel. And I want to share them because I think they're just as relevant today as they were 150 years ago. He said, May God teach you the meaning of that name, Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, it is wisdom's mystery, God with us. Sages look at it and wonder. Angels desire to see it. The plumb line of reason cannot reach halfway into its depths. The eagle wings of science cannot fly so high, and the piercing eye of the vulture of research cannot see it. God with us, it's hell's terror. Satan trembles at the sound of it. Let Satan come to you suddenly, and do you but whisper that word, God with us, and back he falls, confused and confounded. It's the laborer's strength. How could he preach the gospel? How could he bend his knees in prayer? How could the missionary go into foreign fields, and how could the martyr stand at the stake? How could the confessor acknowledge his master, and how could men labor if that one word were taken away? God with us is the sufferer's comfort. The balm of his woe, the alleviation of his misery, the sleep which God gives to his beloved. The rest after exertion and toil. God with us is eternity's sonnet. Heaven's hallelujah the shout of the glorified, the shout of the redeemed, the chorus of angels, the everlasting oratorio of the great orchestra in the sky. 
God with us, Emmanuel. And I might add one thing. Paul, in his letter to the Second Corinthians, he asks the church in Corinth if they realize that this baby, this Jesus, if they realize that this Jesus is in you. It's a reminder that our God didn't just show up for a bit, set things in motion, set up camp, and then leave us to fend for ourselves. He didn't set things in motion like a top and set back and say, hmm, let's see what happens now. He is our creator and we are his creation. His fingerprints are all over us. And in, in, in light of all that, he came to be one of us. He came to dwell among us. He came to his creation, set up camp through this baby that's been born this morning. Our God and our creator has and continues to redeem, to reconcile, to restore, and we are his and he is with us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the fact that you came to dwell among us, that you came to live and breathe and put on flesh and bones as a baby, that you came into this world vulnerable and that you'll come back powerful, that you came into this world as an infant, and that you will come back as a reigning king. Father, may this Christmas be a time where we're reminded of your story, a time when we're reminded of your narrative from beginning to end. And may we be be reminded of the words of John, that a new chapter began in your son, Jesus Christ. And God, in the same way, a new chapter can begin for us when we come to your son. It's in his name. Amen.